say yes to this. No, absolutely not. Nope on a rope. Or at least don't swipe left. If we'd never met, do you think you would have got matched? But thanks for swiping right on me. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, March 12th through Sunday, March 14th. We're counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Could we soon be saying Oscar winner and Texas Governor Matthew McConaughey? On this week's episode of the Balanced Voice podcast, the 51-year-old actor and Texas native says a potential bid for the state's top office during the 2022 election is, quote, a true consideration. And don't expect to see The weekend win any more Grammys. The singer, who was completely snubbed this year, more on that in a bit, has announced that he is boycotting the annual ceremony going forward and will, quote, no longer allow my label to submit my music to the Grammys. He cites secret anonymous committees used to pick the nominees as his reasoning. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and much more, head over to EW.com. All right, let's dive into this weekend's picks. Starting with the number five, we can all say yes to the Netflix movie Yes Day. Jennifer Garner and Edgar Ramirez star in the family film as parents who always feel like they have to say no to their kids until they agree to a Yes Day, 24 hours where the kids make the rules. For one hectic day, the adults must say yes to all of the children's requests, no matter how ridiculous they seem. Their whirlwind journey through Los Angeles ultimately brings them closer together, despite testing the parents' sanity. Making the film also tested the star's physical endurance. The bonkers adventures of yesterday required a good deal of stunts for Ramirez and Garner. The actress spoke to EW's Rosie Cordero about the movie's physical antics and how the role called back to some of her earlier characters. It could be that I, I just have watched too many um, Jennifer Garner productions, but I saw a little bit, a little bit of Sydney Bristow and Jenna Rink and even Electra in Alison Torres. Can you see that too, or is that all in my head? Well, throwing the bananas is Electra. <laughs> um, there's definitely some Sydney Bristow. I was definitely like, oh yeah, put me on that wire. I got that. You need a backflip? Okay, you got it. Even though, meanwhile, in my head, I'm like, I was saying to our stunt coordinator, who was my stunt double on all of Alias and, you know, Electra Daredevil, all of that. And I was saying, Shauna, I don't even know if I can, I don't know if I can do this anymore. She's like, ah, we got you, Bessie. Let's get you in that harness, girl. You can see the results of that on Netflix, where Yesterday is currently streaming. Now we're matching up with our number four pick, Netflix's The One. Based on a novel by John Mars, the sci-fi drama is set in the near future in a world where a DNA test can find your perfect partner, the one person you're genetically predisposed to fall passionately in love with. But Rebecca, the CEO of a company behind that test, is embroiled in both a corporate power struggle and a murder investigation after her former roommate's corpse is found in the Thames. Think Black Mirror with a murder mystery twist. Here's a preview. I have a secret that I want to share with you. A single strand of hair is all it takes to be matched with the one person that you are genetically guaranteed to fall in love with. Right now, you're selling me a fairy tale. This will change relationships and dating forever. 
they won't ever be the same again. She's reckless. Well, color us intrigued. You can stream The One on Netflix now. If you haven't seen Lupin on Netflix yet, or if we're going French with it, Lupin, you are missing out on one wild ride. But don't take our word for it. Batwoman star Cameron Johnson recently spoke to EW and answered the question, what you watching? A show that I'm watching and loving right now is Lupin on Netflix. Bro. Omar Sy is the lead of it. Omar is the lead of my favorite French film, The Untouchables. And ever since I've seen that film, I was like, man, I gotta see this dude in something else because he's incredible. I watched Lupin, saw this man's face, fell in love all over again. And man, I've only seen part one because part two is not out yet. It's just awesome. It's now you see me meets Money Heist, which is awesome, which is just, if you pitch anyone, now you see me meets Money Heist, you know it's gonna be good. Then you put Omar Sy as the lead, just incredible. Part two of Lupin arrives this summer, and if you're still unconvinced, head over to EW.com for six more reasons. You should stop everything and watch the show right now. Number three. Let's roll tape on our number three pick, Kid 90. Punky Brewster herself, Soleil Moon Fry, directed this new documentary, which presents a true time capsule of a group of teenagers growing up in show business in the 1990s. As a teenager, Fry carried a video camera everywhere she went, and she's now unlocking her vault of footage to create a deeply personal coming-of-age story, not just for herself, but for her lifelong friends and fellow child stars as well. Here's a clip from the documentary. So what kind of roles did you get at? To be really frank, <laughs> I mean, let's get honest, right? After Punky, I did a pilot. The pilot did not go. I was excited to be in school, but I started developing. I started developing rapidly, going from a B to a C to a double D to almost spilling into an E. And this all happened between the time that I finished Punky till I was 15. Everywhere I go, people are like, oh, you're so grown up, you know, which was just another way of being like, your tits are so big, you know? So the roles that I was getting offered at 13, 14 years old are all tits and ass roles, and I'm 13. I went from living this amazing childhood to almost being forced into adulthood. Well, it is a thought-provoking and heartfelt look back. David Arquette, Mark Paul Gosselaar, Brian Austin Green, and Balthazar Getty are just a few of the actors who appear alongside Fry, recalling their time balancing childhood and pre-internet fame. Kid 90 is streaming now on Hulu. Trivia. It's trivia time! Soleil Moon Fry has also done a lot of work as a voice actor, including a regular role on what Disney Channel series and its Disney Channel original movie? Was it The Proud Family, Kim Possible, or Phineas and Ferb? Stick around for the answer. Our top two picks and soundbite of the week are coming up. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, 
their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. John Oliver is still going strong with Last Week Tonight on HBO, even as he approaches a full year without a studio audience due to the pandemic. On Sunday's episode, Oliver covered unemployment in the U.S. for his main segment, which he led off with our soundbite of the week. Our main story tonight concerns unemployment, the thing that would absolutely happen to me if AT&T executives ever find out what I've been saying about them. But on the other hand, what are they going to do? Look it up online? How? With their internet plan? And then what? Call someone using AT&T? I think I'm fine. <laughs> we certainly hope so. Oliver also went viral this week in the wake of Oprah's interview with Meghan and Harry. In 2018, the comedian remarked that Meghan, quote, might be marrying into a family that could cause her some emotional complications. We might expect that to come up on this week's Last Week Tonight, which you can catch Sunday at 11.30 p.m. on HBO. Number two. Everyone knows Tom Holland as Spider-Man by now, but get ready to see the actor in a whole new way with our number two pick. The movie Cherry arrives on Apple TV Plus this weekend, starring Holland as a bright but directionless Cleveland kid who enlists as an army medic, only to return home to a spiral of PTSD, opioid addiction, and bank robbery. It's a sprawling epic that's part romance, part wartime satire, part unflinching drug drama, and part heist flick. It also reunited Holland with his Captain America Civil War directors, Anthony and Joe Russo. All three of them recently joined EW's Devin Kogan for our Around the Table series and discussed what drew them to the project. Here's Tom Holland. The first thing is, is the Russos. When you guys first kind of pitched me the movie, you, you didn't really tell me exactly what the film was about. You kind of let the material speak for itself. So at first, I just was honored that, you know, these two guys who could work with anyone in the business they wanted to asked me if I wanted to be in their film. And I obviously was was really honored by that. But then what I keep saying about this film is it's been the gift that keeps on giving. Once I read the script and realized the opportunity that I'd been handed, I couldn't quite believe that you guys would have that you guys thought that I could do this and, and, that, and that you wanted me to play this role. And it was something I didn't know much about. The, uh, the opioid crisis is something I, I really didn't know much about and learning about it and, and making this film and, and now finishing the film and finally getting to the stage of releasing it, I really hope that we are able to kind of shine the light on a problem that is happening on everybody's doorstep. That is a powerful message. You can catch that full conversation on EW.com and you can watch Cherry on Apple TV+. And now we are rolling out the red carpet for our number one pick, the Grammy Awards. Music's biggest night finally arrives on Sunday after the annual awards were delayed from their usual January date due to COVID-19 concerns. The Daily Show's Trevor Noah is hosting the ceremony, which will feature performances from Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, Cardi B, BTS, and many more. Swift is also up for six awards, including Album of the Year for Folklore, while Beyonce scored the most nods with nine. And Billie Eilish, who swept last year's ceremony, received four nominations, including Song and Record of the Year for Everything I Wanted. 
Joining me now to break down what to expect at this year's show, including who will and should win in the top categories, is EW Senior Music Editor Alex Suska. And Alex, how's it going? It is going very well, Jared. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. It's going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, Before we get into the predictions, let's talk quickly about the dark cloud hanging over (laughs) the Grammys and this year's uh, controversy. It seems like there's one every year. Uh, But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this was sparked with the nominations and the snub of the weekend, right? Indeed. Uh, As they say, nothing in this world can be said to be certain except death, taxes, and drama at the Grammys. (laughs) Um, The weekend, um, yeah, basically one of the biggest albums of 2020 um, uh, in After Hours. um, Outside of, I think, Taylor's Folklore, it was the largest streaming album of the year. Um, It also was critically acclaimed, and it got literally zero nominations for uh, the album itself and for the songs. Um, The Weeknd did not take to this kindly. Uh, He called the Grammys Mm -hmm. rigged. Um, And uh, it sort of devolved from there. Um, You know, from The Weeknd's perspective, I understand where he's coming from. It's a great album. People loved it. It was a streaming monster. And um, you have an artist who is completely shut out of the process this year. Um, Harvey Mason Jr., the new Grammys president, came back and said... There was no rigging involved or anything like that. Um, but, you know, as it goes with the Grammys, every year there seems to be some artist who is snubbed, someone who's pissed off, rightfully so or not. And, um, you know, things keep churning along there. Right. And and the most you can hope for is that the Academy figures out some kind of way to remedy this situation, which it feels like they've had years to do and haven't really made much progress. So fingers crossed, I guess. Indeed. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, let's talk about this year's ceremony. Which performance are you looking forward to most? You know, I'm really excited for a lot of them. There's a really good crop of performers this year. Uh, First and foremost, I'm very excited for Megan Thee Stallion's performance. Um, She's up for several of the biggest awards of the night. She's had one of the biggest years, um, year plus in music. Um, I think she's really going to bring it. Um, She is one of the most energetic nominees of the year. Um, And hopefully um, Cardi B and her will be doing a WAP performance. Um, Cardi B is on the schedule as a performer as well, but um, we will have to wait and see whether they end up collabing together or not on the stage. Yeah, fingers crossed. I'm curious how that's going to go um, in, uh, you know, primetime kids potentially watching. But hey, bring it. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Um, I'm also super psyched for Harry Styles opening the show. Um, it's interesting because yes. Harry actually got like basically shut out of all the Grammys, uh, <laughs> Grammy nominations. Um, you know, people thought his album was going to be a, a big nominee, um, but it ended yep, up not same. really getting. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely someone who thought Harry was going to be sort of a big Grammy um, presence this year. Um, it's nice to see that he's going to at least have uh, make some appearance in a performance. So it is interesting that he's going to be there because traditionally the Grammys have not awarded performances to people who haven't been nominated. In fact, in years past, right. there have been some big nominees who haven't even gotten to perform at all. So clearly they're looking to do something a little different this year. They do have a new producer. Um, Ken Ehrlich, their longtime Grammys producer, ended up retiring last year. So um, clearly right. they're looking to do something a little different than they have in years past. Well, and that even extends to who's hosting the show. LL Cool J was host for years. Alicia Keys did it a couple years after that. This year we have a comedian, Trevor Noah. What do you mean? make of that switch up well i love trevor noah um i Mm -hmm. i think what alicia keys did the last couple of years was great um you know her dueling piano uh you know little performance um her uh opening uh kind of monologue um her kind of riffing back and forth with the musicians i thought it really brought a nice fresh energy to the grammys um but that said i 
think Trevor Noah is a great selection for this. He's kind of been top of mind, I think, since the pandemic has started. He's, you know, one of the late night shows that have done a really good job hosting virtual programming. Yeah, I think he's going to bring something nice and fresh to the performances. And I think after the year we've had, we kind of need a comedian up there to kind of lighten the mood, so to speak. I'm right there with you. All right, let's talk about some of these categories. Three of them here I want to dissect. Best New Artist. Uh, this is quite a good batch, but I'm looking at this list thinking it's Megan The Stallion's To Lose. Yeah, I think it's Megan The Stallion's To Lose, absolutely. She um, has had an absolutely phenomenal two years um, that saw the release of her debut album, Good News, um, an excellent uh, EP in Sugar. She's had two number one singles, and she's someone who seems to be doing no wrong in, uh, you know, uh, music's eyes at the moment. Um, and her star is clearly rising, and I just don't see anybody else winning in this category. Yeah. Uh, all right. Record of the year nominees here include uh, Beyonce, uh, Black Pumas, DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich, Doja Cat, Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa, Post Malone, and Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. Who's uh, your pick to win this one? You know, Beyonce is an interesting one in this category just because she has historically been shut out of winning these big categories over the yeah. last, um, I'd say, I think it's six or seven years. Um, this, despite the fact that she is the most nominated female artist in Grammy history. Um, it would be kind of funny if she did win this year just because Black Parade, while an excellent song, was sort of just a one-off new single on the Lion King soundtrack, which yeah. was an album that wasn't really a Beyonce solo album. It was sort of a collective album. Um, that said, I do think Dua Lipa is going to come away with Record of the Year. Uh, Don't Start Now has been around um, for more than a year now. Um, it's sort of helped define you know, this kind of pandemic year, uh, which is sort of ironic because it's this disco banger that everyone yeah. seems to love. Um, and also since this is a record of the year, it's a recording, um, it, it is a recording, uh, category. Um, and I, I, I'd argue that no, no other songs in this category sound quite as good as this particular one. That is music to my ears, pun fully intended that you said that. I, I like uh, kind of like fist pumped a little here um, when, you, when you said Dua Lipa on that. All right. I'm excited for that one. Let's get to album of the year. Uh, I mean, so many good ones here, too. Of, of course, Folklore, uh, our, our girl Dua Lipa, Future Nostalgia, uh, Cole plays in there, Black Pumas, Post Malone. All right. Lay it out for us. Who's going to win? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a it's a crazy group of nominees. The Grammys always seem to pull out um, some surprise ones. Um, I almost forgot Coldplay honestly released an album in 2020 uh, until they were nominated. Um, no shots at Coldplay. That is actually a pretty good album. But that said, um, I have to go with Dua Lipa again. As much as I love folklore, um, as much as it seems like the Taylor Swift Grammy comeback is right around the corner, um, I just think top to bottom that album is fantastic. Yes. Um, I think it's had a long leg. Uh, long legs. Um, people are still listening to it, dancing to it. And um, Dua has really been kind of everywhere over the last 12 months. And I just think cover to cover, it's a really fantastic record. And I think she's going to come away with that one. Oh, Alex, you're making me so happy. <laughs> I love hearing that. You can check out our full list of predictions at EW.com. The 63rd Annual Grammy Awards get underway Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on CBS. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you as always, Jared. Trivia. 
And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. Soleil Moon Fry had a voice role on what Disney Channel series and its DCOM, The Proud Family, Kim Possible or Phineas and Ferb? You should be proud of yourself if you got this answer. The Proud Family. Fry voiced Zoe on the beloved animated series, which is set to return with a revival on Disney Plus later this year. That is our show for today. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow. Be sure to rate and review the show, and of course, follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW, and I'm at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usden.